Hello and welcome to Taboo Talk, the podcast brought to you by Boots that ask the taboo health and wellness questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Vogue Williams, and today we're tackling a subject that will affect every single person in the country, sun damage. Now, sun care can feel like one of those topics people know they should care about, but in reality, don't. Yet sun exposure can profoundly affect your skin. UV ultraviolet rays can cause skin aging and wrinkles, dark spots, thickened skin, skin cancer, and lots of other joyful stuff not shown in holiday ads. But the good news is that there are simple things that everyone can do to protect themselves and their families. Joining me today to discuss them are Deborah Meaden and Deja Iodeli. Deborah Meaden has been a dragon on the BBC's hugely successful TV show Dragon's Den since Series 3, investing in a wide range of startups, a British businesswoman and entrepreneur. Deborah was diagnosed with squamous cell carcinoma, a common skin cancer, in 2015. Having since made a full recovery, this is the first time she's discussing her experience publicly. Deborah is joined by skincare expert and esthetician Deja Ayodeli. Deja is author of the book Black Skin, The Definitive Skincare Guide, the owner of skincare clinic Westroom Aesthetics in London and founder of the multi-award winning educational platform Black Skin Directory. Thank you both so much for joining us. Now, before we start, I just want to flag up to listeners that if you are affected by anything you hear in today's show, please reach out to your GP for information on any types of cancer. You can visit the Macmillan Cancer Support website, call the Macmillan Support Line or visit a Boots Macmillan Information Pharmacist in-store. Since 2009, the partnership between Boots and Macmillan Cancer Support has provided information and support to thousands of people, both in-store and more recently online. You can discover Boots' own sun care brand, Sultan, always five-star UVA exclusively at Boots and find all relative links and numbers in the show notes. Uh, Deborah, hello. I'm going to start with you first of all. Now, before your diagnosis, what was your relationship with the sun? Did you love sitting out? Were you a big sun worshipper? Um, so I've never really been a great sunbather. So that wasn't my issue, but I do like being outside. So I wouldn't say I have a particularly strong relationship with the sun. And that was probably the problem because if I was sunbathing or I was going to the beach or I was doing something, yeah, I was going on holiday, I would remember to put on my sun creams. But when I'm just spending all day outside in a gut, well, not all day, because obviously every now and then I pop into work, <laughs> quite busy. But when the odd I, time. Know, absolutely. <laughs> But when I get the time to be outside, I just want to be outside all the time. And I would just didn't treat that with the same respect as if I was sunbathing. You know, I kind of apply a bit of sun cream and then I'd leave it on and I'd do some gardening or go horse riding and forget to reapply. But did you know how badly the sun could affect your skin? You must have because you put it on when you when you went sunbathing. Yeah, I mean, I was aware of it. And also, I'm quite fair skinned. But oddly, I've never really burnt. And I think that was a problem for yeah. me. I kind of thought that I was immune to it. You know, I thought, well, actually, my, oh, I might look fair. You know, obviously, my skin can handle it. So, yeah, so it was a bit of a shock when actually, you know, I realised that actually there was some damage done to my skin. I feel like, though, I really know as much as I do now about the sun. I have always known about sunbeds. Were you a sunbed user? I know I wasn't a sunbed user. 
In fact, my sister bought herself a sunbed and she slept on it. I mean, she, however, she hasn't had a problem. I don't know because I thought she was barking mad. I mean, she was constantly on it. But no, I was never, I get, listen, I just couldn't sit still long enough to use a sunbed. I mean, it got nothing to do with whether I wanted to get brown. It was lying there. I couldn't bear. Same, same thing about sunbathing. You know, I can't stand just lying there. Yeah, I'm the same as you. Your factor though, what factor would you usually wear or would you have worn? Probably so different on my body and on my face. So on my face, I would always have had around about a 20. And I'll put on my skin sometimes, it, you know, it was very low. It was 10 or, you know. Yeah. Or, or as you say, in the early days before I did understand the damage that um, sun can do, be baby oil for crying out loud. I mean, that's no protection. That's just like <laughs> frying your skin. So, yeah, in the early days, but not on my face. It's interesting. I always knew, I think it was more to do with aging. I always knew the damage that it could do. Never thought about cancer, but did think about actually, I'm going to regret this if I if I don't do something well what when did things kind of change for you then because you just said you never thought about cancer and then that happened to you well, I, I'm very, very lucky, actually. I was filming Dragon's Den and I don't get spots. And, uh, and my makeup artist had noticed a tiny little, what looked like a whitehead, had been on my face for probably about six weeks. And she kept saying, that's not right, Deborah. You know, and, and I thought, OK, that's really weird. I, I don't usually get spots. And I, and I was going off to Africa and I just thought, before I go, I just need to just get that checked out. So I sent a picture to my doctor who said, hmm, yeah, that could be something. It might not, but it could be something. And then he got me a, an appointment with the local hospital and I went along. He said, yeah, no, you've got a squamous. Uh, luckily, what was it called? It's called a squamous. It's a squamous cell cancer, which is in itself is not dangerous, but it can turn into something if you don't catch it early enough. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, he, he wasn't panicking. I still went off on holiday, went to went over to Africa, came back and then and then had it removed. So with the treatment, you just they literally just took a little lump out of your skin and, and that was it? Or how, what was the treatment like? No, they took so they took it out. You can hardly see. I've got a tiny little scar on my face. but So they took it out and it was very clear. When I say I was lucky, we caught it incredibly early. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I, you know, I'm evangelical now about saying to people, if you've got a little odd pimple that won't go, don't just think it's a pimple. Because I've always looked for moles. You know, I know all the rules about moles but I've never looked for something that actually looked like a whitehead. Yeah. And I would never have known if it wasn't for Sue, thank goodness, saying, that's not right, Deborah. you don't get spots. It's been there for six weeks. You ought to get it checked out. It could have gone too far. Yeah, well, you never would think about that kind of a spot, as you said. And what is, what's your diagnosis since then? Completely clear, although I'm, I clearly am prone to getting these. I've got a few little sort of scaly patches around my skin, which are being treated with a cream. So really my prognosis is factor 50, factor as strong as you can. I wear a hat when I'm outside all of the time and watch my skin. Just take care and don't, you know, if I get something that is, doesn't feel quite right, don't just live with it, inspect it to go away, get myself checked over. So I, I do have regular skin checks over my whole skin. Oh, that's good advice. Uh, Deja, now in your professional experience, how much do you think the UK know about the effects of sun damage? Like how educated are we? I think... I think we we know enough that we should be taking better care. However, I think that for a lot of people, it's always something that happens to somebody else or 
it's never it's never going to happen it, it, because sun damage can take a long time to, to develop in the skin. So it's never going to happen to them. So I think we do have enough information around us and available to us to know that this is something we should take seriously all year round. But I don't think generally, given the pace at which we live our lives, that we do heed that message. Yeah, I feel like people as well are kind of confused as to why you wear Factor 50 even during winter, but it's just part of my skincare routine. You just Factor 50 all the time. Even if you're sitting inside under heavy lights, that can Mm -hmm. even damage your skin. Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of people, my main message is always just make it part of your skincare. Just as you apply your moisturiser, let your sunscreen be the last step in your skincare because the UVA rays can also, you know, come through glass. They can come through clouds, even on cloudy days. So even when you think, oh, it's winter, it's cold outside. So long as you see daylight, there will always be UVA rays around you. So it's important to remember that and just make it a normal part of your skincare. I think you know, in the UK, it's always been a case of, you know, when you're going on holiday, that you, it's almost even seasonal. You start seeing sunscreen adverts sort of around May, June time, and then it sort of dies off. And, and so it's not playing for you constantly. So you think it's, oh, when I'm going on holiday, I buy my two bottles and, and that's it for the year. And But I do think the narrative is changing that we are getting more used to using sunscreen all year round. Yeah, I even think with the way sun cream is being made now, um, you can get some that is almost like a primer for your makeup if you want yeah. to put makeup on and not as heavy as the ones that you put in your body, some that's actually really good for your yeah. skin. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think one of the main problems we've had with sunscreen um, is the fact that the technologies have been sort of quite old and gloopy and it's just not nice to put on. And if you're going, yeah. especially if you're going to put it on your face, you just don't want something that's going to sit heavy heavily on your skin but you're absolutely right in terms of the new technologies that are out there you can get really sheer sunscreens you can get spray sunscreens you can get serum sunscreens like honestly <laughs> there isn't actually any reason <laughs> why no one should be you know people shouldn't be using sunscreen because there is something out there and even um for me for example in, in clinic i see a lot of my clientele are black or darker skin tone and so even for us as people of color there is so much choice now as to what you can use that they, again that excuse that well I'm a darker skin tone sunscreen makes me look ashy or makes me look like a ghost or anything like that those reasons don't actually exist anymore they're not valid anymore yeah you can get anything you need what about sun cream and makeup because I no, uh, no. It, I know do you know what because I, I have a tan and somebody was like why don't you make a tan with sun cream and I'm like well because you only apply it once and then it's gone so that's my kind of thing with makeup if there's a sun cream and makeup it's not going to last you for the day or as much as you need no no sunscreen and makeup for me is just a straight up no reason being that you need at least two finger lengths of sunscreen to cover your face, right? One more if you're bald. And you're never going to trowel that much foundation on. You're never going to put that much powder on. So you're never going to get adequate protection. And it's always going to be a false sense of security. You're better off treating your sunscreen as part of your skincare, which essentially it is, as part of your skincare and having your sunscreen in your bathroom with you or wherever it is you you, you do your face in the morning or in the evening or where well, you don't need sunscreen in the evening but wherever you do your face in the morning you're better off having your sunscreen there in makeup you're never going to have sufficient amounts ever ever that is us told <laughs> <laughs> how do you though how does sun damage actually happen like do the uv rays they go into your skin or, or what happens 
Pretty much that. So UVA rays. So you have two types of, of, of rays that, that we are concerned about. There's, there's one more, but we're only concerned about the main two, UVA and UVB. So I always say to people, think of UVA, A for aging. So, but the UVA rays will also penetrate quite deep into the skin to cause the DNA cell damage that can eventually lead to rogue cells and lead to things like basal cell carcinomas or squamous um, cell carcinomas or, or melanomas themselves. And then you have UVB, always think B, B for burning, B, um, UV, UVB rays will burn the skin and that's what creates sunburn. Again, will and can contribute to the development of skin cancers as well. So we're not just looking at for skin cancer. I have to say that one of my main reasons I do have that skincare routine is for aging because sun, uh, sun damage can be super, super aging, but it can also cause pigmentation and, and, and loads of yeah. different things. Yeah. Yeah. What, are, what are the consequences of that? So the consequences are just cancer, possibly getting cancer. Yeah, possibly getting cancer, but for, for the vast majority of us, me included, it's mainly, it's mainly for vanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because yes, you can obviously get sunburn is horrible. It, it, it does also create pigmentation on the skin, but also the sun breaks down collagen. UVA rays will break down collagen in the skin. Collagen is what gives us the nice plump bounciness to our skin, collagen and elastin. So once those are broken down, that's when you get fine lines and wrinkles. So again, the sun will break that down. So and fine lines and wrinkles for us, and especially in the Western world, those are markers of aged skin. Um, also the pigmentation and it creates a very mottled type of skin as well and everyone wants a nice even tone to their skin the sun also creates a, the skin feels leathery and dry and, and not soft to touch so those are some of the ways in which the sun affects the skin aesthetically um, and and those are visible but again they're visible the later on you are in life and obviously for us as women when you hit things like perimenopause, those sun damage effects from years years before, they come at you full force. So I have women in clinic who will say, my skin wasn't like this two years ago, five years ago, it wasn't like this. But I'll go, how old are you? We'll, we'll go through the age, we'll start thinking, okay, perimenopause, menopausal. All of that comes at you in one go. So it almost magnifies the sun damage that you never saw, never, never thought about. All of a sudden you get to 49.50 and it just, it just literally envelops you. So that's why it's important to, to heed the message of sunscreen from much earlier on in life. Is there any reversal of that? No, we're not. We, we're doing more, more preventative. Yeah. Um, we, we, we can alleviate some of the effects, but you're never going to reverse it completely. So again, sun protection, not just sunscreen, but also the general protection of things like, like Deborah said, a hat, sunglasses, covering up. Those are the ways in which you do the best work for your skin. Yeah, I even find though, I have to say, because I wear a hat all the time on holidays and sunglasses and Factor 50, I still feel like no matter what you do, the sun still hits you at some point. So even yeah. covering up that much, you're still going to get a tiny bit of sometimes yeah. that you can't really avoid. Yes, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's, it's impossible to avoid the sun completely. And I always, my message is always practicality as well. You've got to be practical. You've got to be pragmatic. Are you doing all the things you possibly can do? Like you, like you, high factor, hat, sunglasses, staying out of the sun at peak times of the day, not baking out there, not using sunbeds. If you are doing all those things, then you have done the most. And there's not much more than that you can do. It was when people People aren't doing 
any of those things, that's when it becomes a, a bigger problem. We can't avoid the sun. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's here to stay. You've got to be, you just got to protect yourself. I feel like though, Deborah, you were quite good at all those things and then you still managed to get what you got. Is it, could it be a hereditary thing as well or is it just simply the sun? I mean, I don't know. I, I, you know I'd like to know the answer to that myself. I, I, I mean, I am fair skinned. Mm. So obviously I'm going to be more prone to it. I suspect mm-hmm. that my eyes, which are also light blue, you know, I've always worn sunglasses because I've always thought, well, actually I'm very sensitive to the sun. I'm lucky. I've never really, I've never been a sunbather. So I think it was just naturally the way that I was living, you know, and if I was going, if I was horse riding, I was always going to wear for flies and things, I'd wear long sleeves. Mm. So there's Mm. a lot of things that kind of naturally happened because of the way that I live. But I think my biggest mistake was thinking that I was protected once I'd applied one lot of sunscreen and then I'd Mm -hmm, forget mm -hmm. the time and I'd be out there and I'd think, oh, that's fine. I've got a factor 50 on and it'll all be, you know, and then spending eight hours in the sun and, you know, forgetting about the fact that at the end of that, I probably got no protection whatsoever. So I think that was my biggest risk. Even though I don't know if you've ever seen the image of the man who was a truck driver and Mm -hmm. half of his face was in the sun and you can just, it's like two different people. Oh, so So when when I I think the other thing, actually, when I come to think about it, so I used to be a bingo caller in Butlins and and I used to see some of the people go out. So they come on holiday, they would be out on the beach with no protection at all. They'd have their shirts off. And they would come through, they'd walk in front of the bingo and they would be blistering, you know. Yeah. And I think, oh my goodness, that you know, I just, that can't be good for you. You know, I might not know the science of it, but that cannot be good for you. <laughs> you, know. you do see people on holiday zone, it's, it's like, you look like you're in pain. How can you do that to yourself? Yeah. I actually was away with a girl who had blisters on her shins and her way to stop that was to just put plasters on them and head back out into the sun. I was like, oh God. Um, Okay, so if you're in the sun, obviously everyone thinks about sun cream, as you said as well, Deborah. But when you're sitting at home, if, if it's dark and dull outside, can the UV rays get through clouds, get through glass? Absolutely. So even for me, you see daylight, there will be UVA rays around you. They can get through glass. They can get through clouds. They can bend as well, UVA rays. So, you know, it's not, it's not always just direct. They can, like sometimes they come, they can come, they can come around the, come around the block and get you. So (laughs) it's always around you. And, and the other thing is, which I always like to tell people, if you are flying, please also wear sunscreen on your flights because you are closer to the sun up there. Oh, I never thought Absolutely. That. Especially if you like those window seats. So you have to wear sunscreen when you're flying because it can come through the glass of, of, those, of those windows. So UVA rays are always around you. That's just one way of looking at it. The simplest way, daylight, UVA rays. And if, uh, as an adult, what is the minimum SPF we should be wearing? And kids, what should they be wearing? So SPF 30 is the worldwide sort of agreed minimum that we should all wear. Children under six months old don't need to wear sunscreen. They just need to be out of the sun so so they wouldn't be in direct sunlight. But six months and above, SPF 30. If you've got particularly maybe fair skin or particularly sensitive skin, then trump up for an SPF 50. That's fine. But minimum SPF 30. And that's the same for whether you have white skin or whether you have black skin or anything in between. SPF 30 would be your minimum can I ask a question so because I'm quite I'm blonde 
Um, mm-hmm. I can also, I've also been burnt on my scalp. On the scalp, yes. yeah. On the yeah. scalp. And people, again, don't think about that. And, and I mean, I guess the only answer is hats. Or are there products out there that you can actually use on your scalp? Absolutely. So at the moment you can get, which are, they're pretty new, but you can get spray sunscreens, which are transparent. So yes, if if your scalp is on show, absolutely. They're great to use on the scalp. You can also, not not only can you spray, if you have braids and you, so you can see the individual partings on the scalp, again, you can use a spray sunscreen. That's the easiest and best way to go. There is sprays now that you can actually put over your makeup as like a setting spray, but it also has a factor 50 in it. Yes, yes. So most sunscreen sprays can also be used over makeup because they're transparent. So you can spray them over makeup. So when you think about that reapplication process, because for a lot of people, I have to say a lot of people do wear their sunscreen in the morning before they pop out. Absolutely. But the busyness of the day, the pace at which we live means that a lot of people forget. And also when you're out and about, if you've got a a tight for your sunscreen or it's in a tube you don't want to spray it you don't want to just plop it onto your hands because your hands might not be clean or something like that so having a spray I would say pop a spray in your bag because you can just give yourself a quick shush um maybe you pop into the ladies or or whatever so um sprays are very handy and I think they do make such a big difference to reapplication yeah. Well, Deja, I'm assuming that you're going to have been well behaved today. Deborah, yes. let's be honest about this. Have you reapplied today? Because I have not. Uh, well, I actually have, but I've got a feeling that's to do it because oh. I was doing this podcast and there's something made me feel guilty about it. No, but I did go riding this morning. I've been, right, I've been out riding this morning and I and yeah. I tell you what I do do. I wear a riding hat with a peak and I, I used to think that was enough. And then I realised actually half of my face for most of the time was actually out in the in the sunlight. Yeah. So uh, so I've definitely learned to do that. But yes, I did. But I, I, I honestly can't say that I'm always that good about it. I think it was the thought of speaking to you, Deja, that made me think. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, still, I still forgot. <laughs> if, if it makes any difference. I mean, I am a big believer of the practicalities. I've got two young children and I do things like have sunscreen in the downstairs bathroom. I have it in the car. Sometimes life does get ahead of us but I say so long as you you're remembering more times than you're not you find you get yourself in the habit anyway of using it but practical and things like the sprays and, and covering up and hats with peaks and all those sorts of stuff those are the kind of things you need to do you you have to live life too yeah 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 well people do love sunbathing I used to be an avid sunbather I mean I would have lied there for eight hours some days on my holidays now I kind of avoid it as much as I can but what level if you're on holidays and people like lying in the sun what level of sunbathing is acceptable a day I'm I'm, I'm not the best person to ask because I will say I will say just don't do it yeah because you don't know your level of risk. And that's the thing about things like skin cancers. You don't know the level of risk that you personally have genetically, perhaps, or anything like that. So I would say always enjoy the sun, cover up, be out and about in the sun, absolutely. You will still get a tan, but you don't need to sunbathe. If you do want that deep brown look, then use a fake tan if you have to. You know, there's such excellent fake tans out there for dark skin and for light skin. So you can you can still get that, you know, sort of deeper brown look if you want by using a fake tan, but you don't I don't I don't really believe anyone needs to lie in the sun. I guess 
for me also it's a foreign concept as as a darker skinned woman it's not something I grew up with I mean seeing people lie in the sun was a revelation to me when I moved when I moved to England when I was 10 and I'd see people lying in the park and I'd say what are they doing <laughs> that was that was new to me and that's so- why your skin looks like that <laughs> <laughs> so is this not, I, I grew up in West Africa and yes, it was on, virtually on the equator. So we always had the sun around, but you'd sit on the veranda in the shade, you know, those sorts of things. You you wouldn't be out there. So for me, it, it's a no on that one, I'm afraid. <laughs> so no, some, no I, I, I agree with you. I just, I think it, any level of it could be quite bad. But people do have this argument because I have this with people about, oh, well, I need to get my vitamin D. I need to get my vitamin D. You're still going to get it as you catch it walking around. Absolutely. You do not need to lay in the sun for hours to get vitamin D. And we have vitamin D fortified food. You can take vitamin D supplements. I think that definitely for some groups in society, the health messaging is to take a supplement. For example, for myself, I'm always advised to take a supplement. So there's many ways in which you get your vitamin D and it's not a whole day's worth of sunbathing that's going to give you the required amount. So that's yeah. really that's really interesting because uh, because I'm plant based. I actually have my blood checked uh, back every six months just to make sure mm-hmm. I'm getting all of my vitamins. And of all the stuff I thought, I thought actually I'm going to be fine on D because I spend so much time outside. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Su- supplementation is important. You you will still get vitamin D from being in the sun, even with sun protection on. But if you are deficient in any way, then supplements are the way to go. Good, good chat. Well, come here to me. So people who might have moles or lesions, I'm a very moly person. Like, do, do they need to be more careful about being in the sun? Like, does the sun change your moles? Absolutely. I would say if you have moles or lesions or anything that that looks somewhat sus to you, then you definitely have to be more vigilant and keep an eye on it. As Deborah said, anything you're just not sure about, um, it's it's weeping, it's crusting over, it never seems to go. You've never had spots before and it just seems to stay there no matter if you're using sort of traditional sort of, you know, say you had a spot remedy and it's not working. Those things need to be checked out. You do need to be more vigilant because they can change. The body, the skin changes over time. The, The metabolism of the skin changes over time as well becomes more sluggish doesn't work as efficiently as it used to sun damage from previous years maybe in childhood can all come to bear so it's important to do keep an eye out on on things that are changing on the skin Deborah do you think you would have noticed yours at all had your makeup artist not spotted it no I don't think I would have done because actually and I do and I tell everybody about this because actually I'd convinced myself it was Amelia you know the little white bo- bobs oh, that you yeah. get yes. under your skin and that's yeah. what it looked like uh, but it was you know it was Susan so I, I am sure I did a lot of you know I did a lot of I sort of you know did what you do with Amelia and then I like I, exactly as you say Deidre I, I thought well I'll actually I'll clear it up with normal skin creams it was it was it's persistent mm. and the fact that that you know somebody who looks at my skin more than I do I mean I don't look at my skin in the way that Sue did you know and Sue actually said I don't think that's right get it checked out so you know I just it's just for me I've I've learned in life if it's if you're wondering about it get it checked out because it's probably not normal and that that, luckily you know Sue kind of pushed me into doing it that's that's true Deborah um for a lot of people it's not they they won't necessarily notice themselves it might be a partner or someone who they work closely with like we've had people in in clinic who I've looked at something and gone 
how about I refer you to see someone, you never know, and they've gone. And for most people, it's not anything sinister, but sometimes it's something else that does need a dermatologist to look at it anyway. So if you are wondering, or if you have someone who's looking at you closely and they do suggest go and get that checked out, I, I don't think it hurts at all to get it checked out. And with moles, I, I get mine checked every couple of years, but is that, is that a, about the amount of time you should be getting them checked? I think a yearly check is better because the skin changes quite fast, actually, especially if something is suspicious. It can change quite fast on the skin. And the thing about skin cancers or anything like that is that they are largely preventable, especially if they're caught early or the, the spread of them can be um, contained if they're caught early. So things like basal cell carcinomas, um, squamous cell carcinomas, all of those are things that can be dealt with quite quickly and efficiently if they're caught early. And I think one of the downsides that we've had with things like messaging around things like this is that for, say, for example, for a lot of black people, we don't grow up in that habit of checking our skin because the narrative we've always heard is that if you've got black skin, you can't get skin cancer. While there's as many other types of skin cancers that black skin can get or black people can get. And, but because you're not in the habit of that check, you you don't you don't check for the ones you can get. You don't check for the ones you do get. <laughs> you, you know, yes. or, or you don't get. You, they, they, you just don't. So um, that yearly check is very important. Uh, Boots actually have their own sun care brand, Sultan, and it's an official partner of Macmillan Cancer Support. And now, as part of that partnership, Sultan has pledged to stop producing any SPF eight for adults and all SPF 30 for kids. I think that's amazing myself. What do you think about that? I, I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> do you think, I know, but do you, yeah, well done, bitch. But do you, uh, do you think that other sun care brands should be following that? I, I don't see why SPF eight is produced. It, it, it has no benefit. The worldwide agreed medical standard is a minimum SPF 30. So you can see I'm struggling because I'm almost like, with, without wanting to be rude or anything, why do we have an SPF 8? It, yeah. it, it and it, it lures people into a false sense of security because all they think is, it says SPF on it, I've put it on and I am protected. I can go and do whatever now and yeah. and it, and it's not it's not right so so for me i don't think it's a it's a responsible thing to 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 have that such low levels of spf around yeah can i ask is there a is there a standard for spf so if i claim if you know is one spf8 the same as another spf8 as another or do people kind of make up their SPF? You know? No, the standard for the SPF stays. However, it's it's what else a brand is claiming their SPF can do. But nowadays you have a lot of brands who say their SPF has skincare benefits as well. So there can be variations in, in what you're getting. And does sunscreen expire just like regular cream, like a year it's usually, isn't it? Yeah, it, you can look in the back. On the back of the sunscreen, it will tell you how long that it stays valid for, if you like, without being opened. And once it's opened, how long it's okay for you to use. If it smells off, if it if you open it to squeeze it and there's a lot of, a lot of water runs out of it or a lot of liquid runs out of it straight away, then go for another one because you're never going to be sure then whether it's going to do the job that it's supposed to do. Some If you've opened it one summer and you come back to it and next summer... 
it, it's more than likely not going to be doing the job. It should be 100% for you anyway. So, yeah. and because you should use just SPF all year round anyway, even if you take it on holiday with you and you come back, you should still use it. So it should just naturally finish anyway and you replace it with another one. I was just about to buy a load of SPF. Now I'm going to go and like get rid of the ones that I have in my wardrobe. That's like, <laughs> I love that one. I'll save that. What about waterproof SPF? Is that a myth or does it actually work? If you are buying sunscreen that says it's waterproof, you should always reapply it anyway, especially if you've been sweating or you're in and out of the pool, because I can guarantee you, if you've been sweating, you're going to wipe that sweat away you're wiping the yeah. sunscreen off. If you're in and out of the pool, you're going to dry your body off with the towel, you're going to wipe that sunscreen off anyway. So you should you should always, as a blanket rule, reapply. Um, again, it's that sort of, when it comes to sun protection, it's that sort of false sense of security that's created by these different claims that mean that some people, and it's usually the people who are most vulnerable, fall down a hole. Well, I suppose, you never really think about that, though. When you do go swimming, you are wiping it off with a towel and everything like that. And you just, yeah. What about the ones, though? There is one that um, that you can... Spencer's going to come and say hi now. There's just nothing I can do. Sorry. That's your pals, Minnie. Deborah. Hello. Debs. <laughs> you hi, just mate. Call, did you just call me Debs? I, I can't believe you just called me Debs. Hang on. <laughs> Are you going to come and invest in my business or what? I Series know, B. You just called me Debs. I cannot That's believe no. you just called me Debs. Hi, uh, But you, if you recall, you gave me permission to call you Debs last time we spoke. Um, yeah. You well, said that, that was, I that could, was, but yeah, nobody but else that can. was a one-off. That was a one. That was not forever. Okay. Well, I love you very much, and I'll see you soon. <laughs> Uh, Deborah, I know that your sun habits have completely changed. So now you wear your hat, you wear your sun cream and you wear your glasses. But do glasses make a big difference to the sun? Oh, well, I, th- I think they, they make a big difference to how I am in the sun because my eyes mm. are sensitive and they will water. So, so, and, and they actually try to close themselves. You, do, you, do you know what yeah, I mean I, by that? Sometimes your yeah. eyes kind of, you, you, they're fighting to stay open. So I know that they make a difference to me and, and, and I am really careful about the lenses you know it's not just I'm going to go and grab myself a pair of sunglasses I you yeah. know I, I want to feel like they're being protected I've got some lovely fashion lenses that offer me no protection whatsoever but luckily my eyes tell me that you know because they as yeah. I say they don't tolerate really really bright sunshine yeah I agree that with sunglasses you, they, they do help um if say for example like Deborah's eyes are very sensitive anyway so she needs that sort of higher protection but even if you just wore big sunnies from a aesthetic point of view or cosmetic point of view again the skin around the eye is very thin so if you can protect that skin and you can protect that collagen damage that can result from exposure to the sun that also helps so if even just from a fine lines and wrinkles around the eye sort of um, position that helps to to just wear sunglasses. And dark clothes, does the colour of your clothes make a difference? Dark clothes can offer um, more protection, but then I think you're getting quite, then people start getting quite granular then as, as to, you know, what they're wearing. But they do generally offer offer more protection, but then you're also going to be very hot um, yeah. wearing, a, wearing a darker colour in the sun. Hats, absolutely. I'm always on at my gardener. I never see him with a 
hat that's got you know the, f- the, the flap at the back yeah, yeah. I'm always on at him that you must wear something that covers the, that your nape a lot of men don't women we tend to have hair that, that covers covers us there but a lot of men don't and that's also very important and the ears as well people forget their ears to, to put sun lotion on their ears and I've seen lots yeah. and lots of red ears in my time um, <laughs> so that's important but clothing covered up light loose fabric absolutely some fabrics can have a bit more of a reflective element to them that can sometimes you know very very small be an issue but generally you want to be practical you want to live life and enjoy the sun without it taking over your life but you can still enjoy it safely just doing those little tiny tips and tricks absolutely Deborah, why do you think that there's still so little known generally about sun care and sun damage in the UK? I think we're a country that doesn't consider itself a sunny place. You know, we kind of think that because we don't have blaring heat all the time, then then we can go about our everyday lives. And every now and then we might need a little bit of help on those few days in the summer when, when it gets really, really hot. I just don't think it's yeah. in our DNA. If you're born in Australia or you're born in a really hot country, you know, from a child, you're told how how you have to take care of your skin and I just as I say because of our weather and because we always have you know we're wet and it's a bit gray and it's I just don't think it's in our DNA and I think it's uh it's changed and and actually Deidre I'm going to go back to something you said we've learned that when we go on holiday we have to take care of our skin Mm -hmm. but weirdly we don't transport that back into our everyday lives so yeah yeah, I think it's it's our weather we're let we're led into a false sense of security (laughs) With our weather, because of the I rain. Think. Yeah. Well, they are thinking about banning sunbeds uh, in the UK, which I think is an absolutely amazing thing because I do still know people that use sunbeds. Would you support that? Absolutely. I can I cannot see that. I cannot see what's good. What, what's good? <laughs> I know people, uh, I have a a friend who who uses them a lot. She's like, I'm preparing my skin for my holiday. And I'm like, you're not preparing your skin for your holiday. You're still going to absolutely ruin your skin just by using it. Completely. And also there's such fantastic fake tan products, you know, some really good you know, tinted moisturisers, you know, either either instant or ones that you can build up over time. My sister, who used to be on the sun, used to sleep on the sunbed, has yeah. stopped now and she, we- I don't know what she wears, but she just builds up a, a tinted moisturiser and I thought she was sneaking some time on the sunbed the other day. So, Gail, are you sure you're not? Um, but she's not, you know, it's a brilliant, yeah. brilliant product. I think it is amazing, though, about how much people have started to realise that some beds are bad, but like they should just not be available to anyone, I don't think. DJ, what are some of the biggest myths you've come across in your work and what's the truths behind them? I think some of the biggest myths are things like you only need sunscreen and when you're on summer holidays or, or on very hot days, which um, obviously I think the narrative is changing so fast now that you need sunscreen all year round. Black skin doesn't need sunscreen. I've heard melanin needs to be charged by the sun to keep, you know, darker skin dark. Um, I've I've heard all sorts of things. I've, I've, you know, but but mainly for me, it's around the that if you get things like a base tan, it's it's it stops you getting sunburn later when you are actually on the beach, um, which is completely ludicrous. (laughs) I always try and impress the people that. a tan is actually a sign of skin damage. A tan, yeah. you know, I think for years we were 
we were told, and this is going back to the 1920s. I remember doing some research for my book. And in the 1920s, it became the fact that having sort of a, a brown skin um, was a sign of health. And so, and that has perpetuated all these years, decades and decades later. And, and people do think, oh, if I'm slightly brown, it means I, I look healthier, which is, I remember when I was at school, a lot of my friends who, who were white would fake, would use fake tan because it meant they, they think they look slightly healthier. But when yeah. you actually go for a sunbed or you go and lay out in the sun to get this tan, to look healthier, that is just your body telling you that your, um, it's producing melanin to tell you that your skin is under attack from the sun and it's producing melanin to defend itself from that attack from the sun that is why you have a tan it's not because you look you're going to look healthier everyone just needs to go and swim in in fake tan like i do twice a week uh, yeah. <laughs> I, love a yeah, I, 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 I love a fake tan yeah i love a fake tan <laughs> they just they do they work so well and that's that's kind of all and that you need and, and they're so easy to use nowadays yeah. as well they, they don't have a faff they don't smell awful you know they you won't this, have orange skin anymore yeah, yeah. It's, it's they're easy and simple to use that that's the way forward if you want to have that year-round you know bronze golden look yeah well we've spoken a lot about protection and prevention but there's obviously the huge issue of treatment how best can people treat sunburn sunburn get out of the sun cool compress on the skin or cool shower on the skin moisturizer look for something maybe it's got some aloe base to it that's going to help soothe the skin light cover up again stay out of the sun because you know that area will get worse if you're constantly in the sun you may need to take some pain relief keep your hydration up because um the skin will be losing a lot of a lot of moisture so keep that water-based hydration up i mean if you're on holiday if i say keep hydration up that might mean something else (laughs) keep the water going basically not Um, wine yeah not wine be very you know be sensible do not put a plaster on it and and go back out there for some more um be be sensible about it and and keep that keep an eye on that area because if it starts to blister you also don't want to be pulling the the skin off as it blisters you want to treat the skin very gently with lots of hydrate hydrating moisturizer as well does the skin eventually repair itself or is sunburned skin kind of damaged forever you will never know. You will, you will never know. That's why, that's why it's just important to avoid it in the first place. Yeah. Because some studies have shown that two incidences of sunburn alone can lead to um, um, something like a basal cell or, or, or squamous cell carcinoma. So you will never know, which is why it's just important to avoid it happening. Yeah. Okay, I'm on to my last question, and this is going to be one for you both. Deborah, first of all, you, what final bit of advice would you like to give listeners on looking after themselves in the sun? Well, first of all, I'd say pay attention to your own skin. Know your own skin and look for any different changes. But when you're going out in the uh, going out in the sun, actually, I would say beyond that, when you're going out in daylight, which is a thing that I've learned, um, yeah. you know, just make the skin protection routine part of it. You know, wear a hat. Hats are fantastic. What a great, what a great, you know, what a great excuse to go out wearing big so and fabulous. I know. <laughs> just wear hats. You know. So you know, just be really, really aware that that even when you're not thinking about the sun, the sun is playing its part on your skin so just get it into your routine yeah 
And DJ, what about you? I think I think Deborah's um, beat me to it with the yeah. make it part of your routine. But I will definitely, as an esthetician who's someone who sees skin day in day out, I will definitely say the easiest way. Um, to be safe in the sun is to make your sunscreen part of your routine. Try and have a wardrobe of sunscreen if you can, because you might need different types of sunscreen for different activities in your life. If you're going running, for example, you might have a different type of sunscreen to maybe one that you wear, you apply when you're wearing makeup, you know, so or, or down to the one you use for your topping up, that might be a different one. So if you can have a variety of different sunscreens, it's also important to know that there is not a one size fits all when it comes to sunscreen. What works for, for Deborah isn't necessarily going to be my cup of tea or your cup of tea. We're all going to have different choices. And that's why it's important to take advantage of the variety of choice we have in the market to find what works for you. Because you, you can't rely on, well, that one didn't work. So therefore sunscreen is not for me. There's so much choice out there that you will be able to find one that works for you. I sometimes say it's a bit like kissing frogs when it comes to finding your, your right sunscreen. You might have to try a few before you find the yeah. one you like there are so many nice ones out there it just feels like you're giving yourself a facial so definitely <laughs> get on the SPF train thank you both so much uh, that was a great chat yeah I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. that thank you <laughs> excuse thank our interruption <laughs> and that is all we have time for I'm afraid thank you both for a truly educational informative and important chat it's definitely given me a lot to think about and I know this was a really key topic to cover for lots of our listeners so it will have helped a lot of people a quick note to listeners again if you've been affected by anything you've heard in today's show please reach out to your GP you can also visit the Macmillan Cancer Support website for information on any type of cancer visit a Boots Macmillan information pharmacist in store you can also discover Boots own sun care brand Sultan which is Macmillan's official sun safety partner exclusively at Boots all Sultan products have a five star UVA rating if you've enjoyed this episode please do remember to rate review and subscribe it really helps spread the word thanks again until next time and goodbye goodbye